Hey everybody, this is Petey from the Spinner Rack, and today I'm going to talk about, you don't see it here at first, but you saw the thumbnail, about chapter one, right? Spider-Man chapter one, right? But to get to before that, um, you know, because the comic shop news, they had a blurb where they talked about what happened, how Byrne, you know, how Mackie, John Byrne was going to see what was available at Marvel, and then uh, how Mackie said that, um, um, Ralph Macchio has a project that he would love for him to do, and then they talked, and it all came together. Negotiation went swimmingly. The only thing, the first thing that had initially happened was that Byrne had said that the Amazing Fantasy um, issues that um, Kurt Busiek did, that would be the issues where Spider-Man learned how to become Spider-Man, Byrne would not be using those because he didn't see any gap between Amazing Fantasy and um, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man number one. He also said the untold tales would stay untold. Since they were untold, they would stay in that same vein, you know, in between the panels. But he'd also said he would man to steal out the um, Amazing Fantasy issues would turn, would sent the comics, <laughs> the comic book um, industry into sent it ablaze, saying they almost created the same sort of negative buzz that happened during um, what was that book? Um, uh, Man of Steel, the actual Man of Steel, right? So the idea would take the first 18 issues of Spider-Man and kind of redo them and kind of just streamline them a little this maybe update some costumes stuff don't look at this cover sorry you know, look at some more Ditko stuff instead so to take in these stories and add in stuff like there's even stuff added that Roy, uh, Roger Stern had done so take some of these stories and streamline them in such a way that um you know it all act then, like Stanley and Steve Ditko meant to do everything that they did instead of flying from the seat of their pants. That's how Byrne was approaching it. Even though it was a idea to reboot, the initial idea was they were going to really possibly reboot and make um, Spider-Man a teenager. But they decided, no, we're going to condense the titles. We're going to streamline this whole thing. Which ultimately they found out was a wrong thing to do to streamline it into instead of having four titles streamlined into two with some special projects here and there right because it's taking away money even though you have some books that sell less than others but before we got to that they had to get to chapter one right so they came up with the storyline called gathering of the five where they created some characters along with norman osborne to gather these artifacts right I think Byrne pitch hit on one of the issues. He started helping out in writing some of these issues, right? Where they gather all these things, which would gain between these five people, they would get one would get all different types of power. You'd have super, you'd have like um, you know, like um, infinite power and insanity. So that's the from and and like three other things, right? So you had someone who would get intelligence. Someone would, um, I guess someone, a person got a weird power. 
And I forget what the other power was. So we, that plays out in gathering these artifacts and these issues. And then they have the final chapter, right? And in the final chapter, they would, between these five people, they would figure out who has, who would gain all this power between madness, death, power, knowledge, and immortality between all these characters. You have Madam, you have a Madam, um, Madam Webb, Norman Osborn, and a couple other people you don't know, right? And one of the things looming throughout this series, this, um, this arc, is that Spider-Man's child, and Spider-Man and Peter Parker's child is still alive, right? So that is something that um, Mary Jane finds out, and it sends Spider-Man on a chase to find his, his daughter May, the one we know from, I guess, Spider-Girl, right? And Norman assumes that he gained um, the power or immortality, so he goes on this warpath, and Spider-Man is trying to find his daughter. And it comes to a big, abrupt end where this also set the comic book industry ablaze. What happened here? I really liked um, Burns' new costume for for um, Norman Osborn and having to grin forever. Spider-Man stops him, and then he winds up. It's not his daughter. Actually, is Aunt May. Now, Aunt May passed. I forget the issue. Um, it was past. I'm not sure if it was 400. It might have been. But um, she passed in this poignant issue by Jam Dematis that everybody loved. It finally got rid of Aunt May. And to a lot of the comic pros, a lot of Marvel guys, felt like the book had lost a step without May, even though she's old and everybody's been asking her to die forever. But we have these great covers. I'm not going to get into the rest of these issues. The big showdown between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin with his new outfit. And then we have either it's a, it ends on a positive note or possibly it ends a negative note. But however it ends, it leads to the next series the new number one, The Legend Reborn, right? So we're not getting into that. Byrne, at the same time, had decided that since he was doing something that was going to do a lot of stuff that was going to shock the comic book industry, he would also do the main series. And he would do both chapter one and the, the regular series, right? So there, we, we did it. We got through that, or we got through that origin of stuff. I don't know how I'm going to get through these books because it's 13 issues. But before I get to that, let's talk about the press. Because this is the last time John Byrne would get big press from the comics industry. So he had Comic Shop News, which I showed you. He had the initial thing from Wizard. That's for Wizard, right? So they talk about the King of Ray revamps. It gave you a little history of this stuff. It talks about updating, 
But then at the same time, Wizard had changed from what it was before. Wizard had actually started to give more of its opinion rather than just doing the hollow praise that they would do in the past, where they would just sort of highlight people. I think Byrne got possibly top artists, honors in this thing, but slowly that left, right? So they kind of side with Burns only got 5%. Grant Morrison only has 2%. And they kind of look at Joe Kelly or Kurt Busiek as the guys. But Stan Lee is up there too, right? They of course want Todd McFarlane to come back. Scott Lubdell and others. But the idea to, um, you know, they kind of have left it open that many, you know, like, Byrne isn't the top guy in their opinion. This is the saying it's a reader poll, but you know, who are the readers? Like, come on. Right? So that's where it first started. Then they had this is to show you, this type of press Byrne did not get on his X-Men series. We had this other article, right? Which was their take two. Right? And they talk about this. Byrne gets to talk to them about it. Right? We have this, and then they show another shocker, right? That there's an explosion that happens in chapter one, right? And this also set the comics fandom in a blaze. Like, what? An explosion, right? So, this is when they... So yeah, he at this point he tried to calm down some of the stuff that was going on, right? He says that the untold tale still happened between the panel. So they kind of like, okay, cool, Byrne didn't destroy that. However, what some fans won't like because many fans already let Byrne know via internet posting that Burns eliminated the amazing fan the nineteen ninety six amazing fantasy series that three issue three issue series. Allegedly filled a gap between Amazing Fantasy 15 and Amazing Spider-Man 1. Evolving Spider-Man from a goofy teenager in a suit to a world-class hero who thought he could join the Fantastic Four. And Byrne says, people forget that Spider-Man had month -long, a month-long career in show business. Byrne contends that's where he got good at being Spider-Man. And that was clearly established in Amazing Fantasy 15. He was, a t he was on TV several times. He even had his own Spider-Man special. He had a fairly substantial career up and you know up by the time Uncle Ben died, right? So there you go. He explained why that had to go, right? People still weren't happy about it, right? So I got you through that. You think it's over? Nope. That's another article. Then we got another Q and A from. Wizard, another one, right? So this one, <laughs> we're not going to go through and try to reread all of this, but at the same time, um, here, the man who reinvented Superman, John Byrne, sets his sights on a Spider-Man revamp, and there's no one better for the job. Just ask him, right? So there you go, another slight <laughs> in this series, and this would be, I think, one of Byrne's last interviews, but. 
there was four, what's that thing for the, the, the hidden years? There's only like a blurb about this. So Burns, you know, this already has three articles on it, right? So it kind of talks about different stuff. This leads into all of his entire career. But just, you know, he's... Yeah, and I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun, right? So at the same time, this would be, I think, one of the last ones. We're not going to really read anything from it, but we're just going to go over it. That Howard Mackey was going to be the lead writer on the main Spider-Man titles, right? So they kind of talked to him about working with Byrne and also working with John Romita Jr. Um, was there anything else in here? Oh, and then there's one other thing. Here's the other one. And that's where they talk about canceling Marvel titles. And, um... We cancel Marvel titles and streamlining the whole line, right? And they said, well, fans swoop to the new Spider-Man in October, right? So Spider-Man, after the end of the final chapter, they hint that something happens. And this is another thing that sent the, the comic books ablaze, right? That this Electro costume wasn't up to snuff to a lot of fans. So a lot of things were like, oh, God, this is um, something that um, they shouldn't have done, right? So let's keep going. Then they talk, hint about the, the hidden years here. A lot of gag stuff in this thing. Talk more about Howard Mackey and John Romita Jr. coming on the title, right? Because he was one of the mainstays in the other thing. So we had like at least five articles in Wizard on this series, which is crazy. And I don't have, I had the poster from Marvel's new magazine, but then Marvel, of course, did a um, interview with Byrne also. Right? We talked about different things here. Right? That's how much press Byrne got on this title. Now, this is the zero issue. So let's put this over here. I'm 15 minutes in. I got you to the press. I got you through how everything that happened before this, leading up to chapter one. And I don't know how to quickly do this. So we're just going to page through this stuff. Now, he was coming off of Wonder Woman, and this is the opening issue. Now, the, it, the issue with this is some of this um, airbrush coloring, but this shot is, like, killer, right? This is, like, this is something... If you look at the approach to Wonder Woman, it was very much a straightforward approach, or very much a camera... There are some, some extreme camera angles, but, you know... Ultimately, most of the time, it felt very straightforward for Byrne, right? And this Spider-Man stuff, whether you... Well, let's... Before I even get to that, this is a good way to start. No matter how much I'm a fan of Byrne, there's no way to compete. I can't do... I need a, need a Ditko cover. 
to do this. Alright. Ish. These are bad. I don't want to do the tinkerer again. Let's go here. Sorry, guys. There's no way to compete with Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, right? So we're not even going to try to say that Chapter 1 could compete, right? And I would say the same for Ultimate Spider-Man, anything like that. But this tries to keep the tone of it. Now, Byrne is not Ditko, and he doesn't do... He doesn't as he's not as strong with the interpersonal sort of thing and that sort of stuff. But because he's a little bit bigger in his sort of camera angles, but at the same time, it's a good sort of retelling of the original series. It's um I guess to some people some things are blasphemous, and I'll kind of point those things out where I can, because this one seems like it's going to be a very long one. Um, but yeah, this is a good place to start. It's a very good condensing of it. It cannot beat um, Stanley and Steve Ditko, but it is a, and the, the way his arch starts to shift as it goes along is um, something amazing to watch. Because when you get to here, right? He still has some elements of how he was doing Wonder Woman and that sort of thing, right? And now, because the Amazing Fantasy was only like um, 15 pages, and this is a double-sized issue. So Byrne has a lot of room to play, right? So instead of what would be on the first page, hinting at Spider-Man, they get to his parents is um, Uncle Ben and them giving him presents. Some bits that we've seen. We get to see him in school. Right? We hit, and Burn is kind of hinting that he's younger than everybody else here. Right? Which is cool. Which is, at first we didn't really suggest that. But, um... And this is where the first big change, where he was trying to condense stuff that was in, that was in the, in the Spider-Man universe, so they wouldn't have too many atomic, sort of uh, radiation-related things. So his idea was to kind of have Spider-Man the event that where the radioactive spider bites him. It's the Doc Ock thing. Doc Ock, who also gets hit with radiation. It would happen at the same time, which makes sense, but this got the fans really in an uproar that he shouldn't have done it, right? And um, something happens, something messes up the thing, and it leads to this explosion. And Byrne himself said that felt kind of weird in doing it, you know, because it really felt like a change. But at the same time, that's where he gets bit by the spider, right? And everyone else here has some sort of protective suits. Spider-Man gets bit here. And then, instead of that, he's in the hospital. So this was a drastic change, right? In the thing. There's always a, in these reboots, some sort of drastic change. But he seems to heal very, really quickly, right? And then we get to see something that 
Byrne is kind of setting up to have this criminal early in the story so he doesn't come out of the blue when he does something to um to Uncle Ben, right? So it's sort of set up. Right? And he goes home. And this is just taking the original stuff and working out different angles with the looming presence of Spider-Man in the background, right? So it's really sort of, the Spider-Man shots are really cool. Uh, the art still has some of the rubber elements of the Wonder Woman or the, the what's that series? The, the Jack Kirby's Fourth World. But you get a lot more time with Uncle Ben and uh, Aunt May, right? And this is really, it's even the angle we're getting, because we know we're going to get some more of Aunt May, but this is angled just right. So we get to see these touching moments between the two of them. And sort of the same sort of stuff going on here. And, and this is the big change. Instead of him sewing it, he silkscreened the costume. And then he also makes the weapon. It's some, something that he was working on. This is a, a Roger Stern bit. This, I think, was introduced in Peter Parker. And that he was something that he was working on earlier that he modified to become his web shooters. And then he came up with a better outfit and he got on TV. So this montage here would lead to all the time him learning his powers and becoming better at it, right? And we get to see some more stuff with his, um, with his um, school companions. And then of course, going for a more visual thing of him pulling off his um, locker. So he's not really fully in control of his powers. Right? And this here, another thing, because what's the name? Um, who's that? Um, Sorry, y'all. So, um, Marv Wolfman had decided that, um, Marv Wolfman had decided that the, um, the burglar was looking for something in the house in Spider-Man 200. So that's why he was there. But, um, Byrne sort of felt that kind of answered one question, him meeting him at the at the um at the studio was something different. Now here's a bit that was probably so it's saying showing other people watching it, Aunt May disliking it, the kids enjoying it, all the oatmeal thing is cool, this is cool as hell. And then um the X-Men a hint of what we were gonna get soon and um the Hulk and Bruce Banner and Rick Jones, Doctor Strange. Right? Here, when the cop has been, instead of someone else telling them, that cop has been following this guy. So to keep the story, to make it make a little, make it work a little better, is to have that same cop following this guy and... 
and he sort of sees him as a second story criminal, right? And Spider-Man kind of walks it off and goes home. We get to see Mary Jane Watson's mother there. And she tells him that someone killed their their Uncle Ben, right? And Spider-Man decides to go after him. And this is the hint of what's been going on with seeing Spider-Man around there. We saw this shot here, right? We was getting to where the cops are at. And now we get to see why he was traveling through these panels here. This shot here to here to all these cool shots of Spider-Man traveling. This is him trying to find that um, criminal, right? So it's a cool sort of setup. Instead of just Spider-Man just looming in the background, it's something that's it's another storytelling bit. So this is something that uh, the, uh, the way to tell the story, adding some stuff, but then ultimately, you know, leading you, having two stories going on simultaneously, or two sort of um, threads going. So Spider-Man having this sort of, and you would see more of this stuff happen in his art. With Spider-Man traveling in the air, giving you sort of eerie angles, right? Because he has a lot of Ross Andrew in this art, but at the same time, and this is the hint of him trying to get you the total Spider-Man with total black in the costume, right? And he runs into this guy, and instead of doing the story where Spider-Man takes his mask off, he is like, hey, we're buddies, right? And that leads to a shellacking of his life, right? Spider-Man giving a little rougher elements, the wide-eyed to the eyes sort of closing. Something that a silkscreen costume shouldn't do, but it's comics. You got to push the envelope a little more, right? So this was kind of jarring for a lot of people, but um, because it was, wasn't the same as the original story, but it led to the same way and still led to not it being said by anyone, but the narrator saying with great, uh, great power, there must also come great responsibility, right? So we have this issue. This was the roughest one to get by. This actually was the roughest one to get by. For the readers, I think Byrne had taken a different approach to this book. Right, so I think the best bet is I'm at 26 minutes to, is to, because I had to go through that one as is. I had to give you all the press because I have it here. And ultimately, I think after the first issue, everything else is gravy, right? I think I'm not, I think there's a computer that people get upset about, but art wise, like this is the, this is the, um, First shot of the second issue, and you can see the line is getting is getting even better in this book, right? And look at this panel, these upside down panels. Like this is something we hadn't seen really in the Spider-Man work. Spider-Man uh, Burn being a perspective guy, this is something I don't know if um, Shooter would let him do it, but. Um, and here we lead to the um, chameleon. But then this is one of the things that Bernard was doing, playing with time. Like 
for, I think, they did it for the Black Panther. This is something that you see in the Tarantino movie. We're going to kind of play around with time, right? So we have Spider-Man, you know, what he did with his money. And a lot of people said, no, he can't do this. I think his family, he got a computer or something like that, and people got upset. But he's using this stuff. They said, oh, his family would say, well, you got this money. Where'd you get this from? But they were like, hey, he would, you know, they know he's not a criminal, so they would trust him. And no one went with that. But at the same time, now you jump, he's sort of jumping around in time, right? So here... Getting you back to where it was, Spider-Man goes in there and all his money's gone. And he's like, "What?" And like Spider-Man came over. He had a, his web shooter gun, <laughs> and um, so now the coloring is a little heavy-handed. The separators, they kind of overdid it on this thing. And that's kind of the the only big issue, but there's a lot of cool stuff here, right? I see that um, it's connecting Doctor Doom and the Chameleon, and then after the explosion, oh, they're having a hard time removing the harness. Dr. Octopus there. He kind of takes him. He's just lethal. Right? And this is a scene that's also in the regular series here. But just, um, and just done from different angles. Which is cool. Right? Spider-Man slips in. And you got the FF. And this is basically recreating what happened before. Right? Spider-Man coming here to show that he's a top talent. He wants to get a job with the FF. And they kind of send him packing, right? So at the same time, Spider-Man is having a hard time with his uh, spider sense. But this is something I think which was in a graphic novel. I think Parallel Lives where... Mary Jane kind of sees Spider-Man, but Spider-Man can't, doesn't know that his spider sense is what's going on. And this is, you know, there's always this subplot of Spider-Man trying to avoid Mary Jane and Burn liked that part, so he didn't, so he kept that. So there's a lot of things that he did keep. And there's, I know there's a ton of stuff he kept, but um, some of the bits that he changed, people really went uproar for. When at the same time, We'd have um, Ultimate Spider-Man, and everyone was just like, change more, change the person. Well, they, they didn't, he didn't say he was changing the personalities, but he just did, right? Spider-Man proves that this guy's the bad guy, but at the same time, they have bigger issues, right? That John Jameson's in trouble. Spider-Man says he can help out. He gets on top of a plane. 
somehow the great, great that the spider powers kind of clears up any sort of um, problem with being in the air. He helps them out, they get down. And J. Jonah Simpson still tears them apart, right? So yeah, not much changes outside of that. Now, much was made about the costumes. This Vulture costume is like a million times better than, sorry to say this, sacrilegious to say, but this is just way, and then this shot, even though we have the nuclear sort of color in here, it's like, so he's kind of starting the story in the middle with the splash page, because if you remember how the splash page worked, they would sell you on something on the inside, and then we'd get to it later. Then this would be no different, right? But it's just sort of a time jump. So we start in this story where we have Spider-Man middle event. This is the issue where Spider-Man fought aliens, right? And he's trying to capture the Tinkerer. And they, of course, think that he started the fire, right? And then we have aliens go off. But we're setting up Mysterio here, right? And this is something that... um. Roger Stern also set up that um, it wasn't actually aliens, it was actually Mysterio that happened beforehand. So it's connecting another bit that was already still there, right? And then we have, this is the intro to the Vulture, right? And we show he's another character that's lethal, right? And I think some of these bits are still in there. I'm not sure if he kills the guy, but... Um, you know, just showing you how tough this character can be, right? And then, once you get to this part right here, you see his Spider-Man is just just coming alive, right? So I think uh, Todd McFarlane had said that all he needed is one of these guys to come and take on Spider-Man, and then it would like take off. But you know, you see how rigid the fans were kind of getting, saying you can't change this, you can't do that, you can't do the other. And the, I think the sales, even though um, the brand new, this, sorry, it's not brand new day, but this series, The Legend Reborn, a new number one, this outsold, um, chapter one, but this is in the top, like, 10 or 15, this was in the top 20 to 25, so this thing was selling decent enough for, um, Marvel to ask Byrne to do chapter two, but he ultimately declined and he stopped doing Spider-Man after issue. I think it was 18, right? So that was a good um, 31 issues of Spider-Man that Byrne did with um, a number of double-sized issues in there, right? At least three. No, I'm wrong. It's at least four, right? Spider-Man figuring out his Spider-Sense here and he finds that, but at the same time, the vulture is quick too. Right? Well, this is all these events happen that leads to what our lead shot was. And Spider-Man frees himself, right? And of course, we get the hint of Spider-Man giving he got his first job, right? And meeting Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson a little more beefier than he was. Spider-Man catches him. 
And this is, yeah, the art just started, I mean, it just got, like, from issue to issue, it just gets better and better, right? So at the same time, Jameson leads him to the next story. Get to see now this, this extra little color separation, adding all these effects to it, doesn't help out the art, right? Having the shine here and that sort of stuff, because you're kind of, the art, you're taken away from the art. But, you know, um, this is what the period was, post-90s, um, was adding all these airbrush effects and nutty color separation stuff, right? delivers Spider-Man's second loss. And this is another key thing for me as a Spider-Man fan. Spider-Man taking some hits, right? That's what I liked about the early series. That's what I liked about the 70s. And that's what I liked about the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man, right? And here's something, a hint of what was going on with... Um, something that's going on in the comic books, right? But yeah, this is I this is even better cuz it wasn't Ditko. I think initially I was iffy on this part, but man, it's like and I think this when they were reviewers were like they were tough on it, but they liked this sort of thing even though some um, the same thing sort of having this emotion of moving past his glasses. That he doesn't need him anymore, right? We introduce uh, Robbie Robertson early on in the series, right? And this is not, there'll be basically, at this point, most of the stuff that's in here is basically just retelling, right? And a little bit condensed, and him being inspired by John, Johnny Storm, which everyone forgets. That kept him kept him in the costume. And this is this is I mean, I don't think I can go. I think this is a good place to end. Right here. I'm sorry I want to go on further, but let's just stop here for this after this issue. But if you weren't in <laughs> having issues, because we haven't even gotten to the best ink issue yet. But this right here is a killer shot right him this, like this is like killing the idea like i think it was in um the spider-man in queens where he's saying he doesn't have anything in the web spin it doesn't matter it's a comic book just look at spider-man going upwards into the air like this is something that i don't think the movies have tried but this is an angle they should have figured out right and that's the power of comic books right so so I think being able, um, someone who kind of understands perspective that well is understand how to really fucks with it, right? To really kind of move it around in such a way that's really cool, right? So Spider-Man has a showdown. We've got some things with him to take on Dr. Octopus. And this is cool that... You know, I think it's the same as the what's name, but it's cool that Spider-Man couldn't just break the arms, which was kind of lame to just have, oh, I just break them, 
Like he finally doesn't hold back and breaks them, which is kind of ridiculous. So Cyclops should be fairly formidable with all these arms. And I think even the movie kind of had him, well, I can't even talk about the movie, right? Stop them. Sees the torch. He's kind of worried about it, but then he sees that um, and this. Oh yeah, this is even a better place to end, right? This is ultimately the best bit in chapter one. You cannot. This is the best bit, and if you haven't seen it or realized it yet, it's here. And this is classic Burns storytelling, right? So everything in here is updated. Hat turned backwards, cell phones, all the stuff that wasn't in this original series here, right? And this uh, essential, essential value. What does May have? A rotary phone, right? A regular phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that to me is one of the bigger cells of it right so the um, Fantastic Four here was going on and they they set out to help too right and we leave it on the cliffhanger so one of the things that since Spider-Man utilizing his figuring out his spider sense and um Ultimately, it's a trap, right? So, ultimately, he was also ending on cliffhangers. Even though this was kind of um, stuff we already knew. We don't know if Burn was going to burn down the whole house or whatnot. But I'll give you a hint of what was next. So, like, this was this was issue four. I thought I did four issues. Oh, man. I can't believe it, right? So, this would be the next issue. This is where I'm going to stop and... Um, Recharge and see how far we can get. But we had to give you the hint of how Wizard kind of helped kind of put out a lot of the issues. Rather than letting people find it on the page, they probably still would have been upset. But they didn't get the time the same way like in Man of Steel did where they just could build up all this negativity toward it. Because it already was like, oh, Marvel doesn't need to reboot even though there's Ultimate Spider-Man coming two seconds later and everyone accepted a reboot. Some of this other stuff wouldn't have been an issue, right? But we had to get you all the stuff that came beforehand. And the hint of that, this much content as far as news for us, and the original name of chapter one, which was called Twice, Twice Told Tales, right? That was the original title for it, but they couldn't get the name. So they were calling it Spider-Man Genesis, and Burn didn't like that. So they also... They put out they were going to do the final chapter. So Burn says, I think Burn, they said, came up with chapter one. Right? Because they didn't want to use Spider-Man year one. Right? So that's it. Fairly long video. And we'll be back. We have another, another eight, another eight issues to do. So, and you're going to see the art get even better in this series. And I don't think there's any more changes. That's weird. That's weird for as much hoopla against this series. Oh, that's my last story to do on this. In issue three, um, I had this in my house. 
And my brother, who hadn't read comic books in a while, who um, looked at this cover and saw that it was burned and didn't realize it was a new comic. And he picked it up and he said, wow, burn, you know, see, you can see it here. Burns old stuff was better. I'm like, like this book just came out, and he's like, he he immediately kind of pulled back on what he said, not you know, like us pointing out issues with it. But it's funny, if you see it sight unseen, um, you kind of think that this was old stuff by Byrne. But anyway, I think that's it. We've covered the gathering of the five, the final chapter, the buzz, a negative buzz around um chapter one we got um all of the press that was on positive and negative and the first four issues so we have nine because i forgot about the zero issue somehow we're gonna get the rest of this stuff done right so uh, maybe i'll start with the zero issue but um i guess that's it excuse me spin rack out